0: Good morning. Good morning again. It is hour two. If you missed hour one, you can go and get the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com under the Mornings with Carmen program tab. Uh, yes, if you dutifully did what I suggested you do at the end of the last hour and go to MyFaithRadio.com, then you know uh, that I was reading promotional material from January of 2021 because <laughs> nothing nothing that I suggested is currently on the website. Yeah. The things that are on the website, which you should totally go and check out, um, we are reading the Bible together, and we want you to sign up to do that with us. We're going to study the book of Acts beginning on the 1st of February, so you can sign up now. We are also uh, partnering with One Child. You've already heard us talk about that on a couple of occasions here on, on Mornings with Carmen, but you can click on the Sponsor One Child link and see what's going on there. Um, Other great things happening as well. So go visit the website, myfaithradio.com, and discover that literally it was last year. Like that's so last year, the things that I uh, shared with you at the end of last hour. I know. Some days, right? Some some days. Um, Carol texted in during the break. You can text in anytime. The number is 877 933 2484. Carol says, Loved your first hour. Looking forward to hour two. I wish I could get my grad school kids to listen. Any suggestions? Um, So with kids that age, yeah, here's my suggestion. So go to the website and find find one of the programs that you've listened to that really, that you thought to yourself, I wish my kids could hear this, like, right? And send them that specific link and say, I'd like to set an appointment with you to listen to this together because there's some things in here I'd like to discuss. I'd like to hear your perspective on these things that Carmen was discussing with so-and-so. So uh, right now we have uh, a blog posted called um, It's Time to Talk About Matters of Life and Death, and it includes the audio from my conversation with Christina Twitty. And this one seems like a particularly good one to use because it's about, you know, the reality that at some point we've got to have these conversations generation to generation about uh, advanced directives and medical power of attorney and what we, what we want in those areas, as well as bigger, larger conversations about life and death and the ethics related to both. So there you go. That's my idea for you. Go and grab the link at MyFightRadio.com. If you click on the Programs tab, and then you click on uh, Mornings with Carmen, and you scroll scroll down, excuse me, words this morning, you will see it's time to talk about matters of life and death. And that includes the audio of the conversation I had last week with Christina Twitty on those topics. Uh, Hey, I do know that coming up soon uh, is the IRS deadline for filing 2021 taxes. And yes, for those of you who've been asking, yeah, I'm going to cover some of that information um, maybe a little bit later this week. Here's what I do know. Uh, Monday, April the 18th, that's the date you want to circle on your calendar as tax day this year, because apparently it's it's a bit of a moving target uh, during COVID. All right, next up, we got Dr. Brett Nix. He's going to bring us up to date on what is going on with Omicron. Um, And we're going to talk about what does it mean to move from a pandemic to an endemic? Do I mean, have you thought about like what it's going to look like to just learn to live with this thing? That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Mr. Brett Nix is back. You can find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. You can also find him at his own website, brettnixmd.com. Brett, welcome back.
2: Hey, Carmen. Good morning to you. How are you this morning?
0: Good, Good morning. Well, I'm going to go have a COVID test <clears throat> this morning. Ah. Uh, yeah. Low-grade fever, a little bit of a headache, uh, aches, Feel like feel like the flu is about to set in. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I better go be prudent and after the show, go get a COVID test. So there you go. That's how I'm well, feeling this morning.
2: Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounds like uh, if indeed it's the case, you're right, maybe it is the flu. I mean, we actually are seeing flu cases as well. So it's not just the Omicron at this point in time. But uh, that being said, uh, it sounds like the wise part of valor is to get it evaluated.
0: So um, let's talk about Omicron. Um, a lot of people have it. Uh, a lot yeah. of people are going to get it. Are we kind of at the stage where we just need to recognize we're going to have to learn to live with this thing?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Boy, you know, when you look at the data from the last week, uh, we've seen this surge ongoing for the last couple of weeks. As best we know right now, the data would suggest about 95 percent of the cases in the U.S. now are associated with Omicron. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody who's getting uh, a positive test is actually being identified as to which variant it is. So we still know that Delta and others are around Um, And so, you know, it it begs the question, because what we know about this situation is that um, what we hope for is maybe Omicron, the Omicron variant will be the final phase of COVID-19 pandemic. Boy, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, But I don't know that we have the answer to that at this point in time, because recognize, and I think you led into this a little bit, that there's really two ways for a pandemic to end. One is what we hope, which is the infectious disease is just eradicated uh, to some degree, just dies itself off. And we see this variant die down and, and, and be non-existent. Uh, and we don't see a new variant that comes up. Uh, the other is be- it becomes endemic, which means it still exists, but it's not as disruptive to society. And, you know, if you look at the history of infectious diseases um, and things along these lines, we really don't eradicate much. I think the one that if we think back really over the last 50 years or so, smallpox is really the only one that we've really eradicated. Uh, and this doesn't happen with the virus. And so we think back, for those who can recall, in 2010, we had the swine flu, H1N1. Well, it came as a vengeance, it was around, it caused devastation, lots of deaths associated with it in the US, uh, but it never went away. It's still there. We still see it on an annual basis, but just not to the same degree. So it was not a pandemic in the sense it is now endemic where we see it every year with different types of influenza. And so now the question, as you stated as well, is, hey, if this is going to be endemic, going to be like the common cold, a rhinovirus or influenza, uh, how do we move forward? How do we how do we live with this and what does that look like?
0: OK, what's the difference between a rhinovirus and a coronavirus since you used the term
2: and so, yeah, inquiring great. minds
0: now want to know?
2: So a rhinovirus is a common cold. It is a standard cold. It is not the beta coronavirus type that we think about. Uh, but interestingly enough, they are still viruses and they have similar features or whatnot. Uh, there is an interesting study. Uh, it hasn't been validated yet that actually said, hey, if you have exposures to common colds, does that not provide you some level of immunity for issues related to beta coronaviruses like COVID-19. Uh, one would, af- would assume if you look at the protein processes, that is entirely possible. And why is that? Because our immune systems are amazing. They identify different things. They recognize variants. And what does it do? It's there to go ahead and protect your body uh, against when you get an illness, not preventing an illness, but when you get the illness to minimize the symptoms that you'll have.
0: Yeah, I am counting on um, my immune system now, right? I mean, I'm whatever whatever it is that ails me, um, I'm I'm counting on the fact that uh, I I dutifully was vaccinated, so uh, this is not something that my body totally doesn't recognize now. Um, and I'm counting on the fact that you know I eat well, I get good sleep, I am exposed probably to <clears throat> a lot of germs all the time because I'm with kids and grandkids and on and on and on. Yeah. So right, that's that's sort of what is happening at this point in the life cycle of Omicron. We have people in the culture. Relying on their immune system, um, some of them with the assistance of a vaccine, and others without it.
2: That's so true. And I tell you what, we talk about this, and we've talked about this. Gosh, I don't know how many times over the last several months. Um, you add in the simple thing: when you do get a virus, there are things that we know that actually help with that. And if you take as if you take additional zinc, you take vitamin C, those bolster your immunity. They defend against the replication or the the process by which the virus replicates in your body or increases in number. And those are simple things that when you have those symptoms, those are the things you add into the mix along with other things within clean living. Good sleep, eating well, hydrating, usual things.
0: All right. Um, I would love to talk with you um, about keeping our brain sharp. Uh, A lot of folks concerned about issues related to I, well i mean i would just say you know fogginess um, and so is that fogginess a sign of anything worse and and how can we turn it around and then i want you also to bring us up to date on what's going on with the red cross and the blood crisis across the country we're talking with dr brett nix he's going to answer those questions in just a moment Dr. Brett Nix is here from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can also find him on his own website, Um, Brett, let's start with uh, what's going on with the Red Cross and blood donations. I mean, I will just confess, I used to be a regular blood donor and haven't donated in, a, in well, certainly since the pandemic began.
2: Yeah, boy, I tell you, we're definitely facing a crisis, as you can imagine. Um, you add the pandemic, you add in the winter months. Uh, And then again, with Omicron, a lot of people staying home when you find those issues, along with the fact that, oh, by the way, because of COVID, we actually use a higher amount of blood products for those that have severe COVID. We just have a substantial deficit across the country right now. I think the Red Cross is at its lowest level that they've had in several decades. Um, And so if you are capable of getting into uh, your local center or reaching out to the Red Cross, wherever they may be, they maybe they have a mobile unit or something set up near your home, uh, certainly would advocate for that again. And people say, well, what happens if I've had COVID? That's fine. They will test and they will see what is going on with your your, your blood work. And uh, that's one of the other things as well. Is many, many of the times they will actually t- give you a, a feedback after the fact to say, hey, oh, by the way, you never thought you had COVID, but you have antibodies. Or, oh, by the way, yes, you were COVID negative or you're COVID positive. It's one of the processes. So they have to go through and analyze all of your blood, as you can imagine. Uh, but the nice thing at this point in time is just because you've had COVID doesn't mean that you cannot give blood. And I think a lot of people at this point in time have thought that, just like for those who had traveled historically and said, oh, shoot, I just had malaria over the last duration of time. I know I can't give blood for a while. That is not true with COVID.
0: Hey, these numbers seem crazy. I mean, the Red Cross is saying that there are times that as much as a quarter of hospital blood needs are not being met. Uh, the American Red Cross said it had less than a one-day supply of critical blood types a week ago, um, doctors are having to make, quote, difficult decisions about which patients receive blood transfusion over others. My goodness, this is this is serious business.
2: It, it really is. And you, you will find as well that uh, in circumstances like that, if a patient comes in and needs blood, many times we'll reach out to family members and just say, hey, mm. you know, we're going to transfuse. Can we get you, your, your blood type and go ahead and, and get to, uh, some donations? Many times that's actually incredibly helpful uh, in that regard. But that being said, to be at a, a situation like we are right now where someone who's coming in who's needing blood, uh, it's no longer just a, yes, we've got it, let's give it now. It's a, do we have it? Is it the right type? And if we don't, where can we find it? Uh, We want to obviously reverse that trend.
0: All right. So um, I think that those of us who are members of uh, active congregations, maybe we should be hosting blood drives. This seems like uh, an easy way for us to serve our communities well. Um, So there you go. All right. Uh, let's talk about our brains and keeping them sharp. You've got five things to keep my brain sharp. What are they?
2: I can't remember. That was a joke. <laughs> so I had to throw that in. Yeah, it was a typical Tuesday joke This is it, why
0: I hard. write things down. Yeah. It's totally why I write things down because I can't remember. Yeah, you know what?
2: There's so much to be said, and I'm sure many people have read uh, different ways to go ahead and keep your brain sharp as we get older. And I know that a lot of people that I talk to are always concerned, they're saying, the more people that I talk to, the more I find out that people around me have dementia. Is there something going on in the U.S. that seems to be increasing the prevalence of dementia? And the answer to that is, well, we definitively don't know. We don't think it's a brand new genetic process because if you look at people around the world in other pockets, they don't have the same rates that we do. So something that we're doing or perhaps not doing may be influencing this. And so. These are the top five things that I think that we should be looking at. And so this is a challenge for anyone listening for 2022. Studies that are out there right now show that age does not mean dementia. But the things that you should be doing, number one, you should be moving. And movement is incredibly valued. And some people say, well, what do you mean by movement? Does that mean that I need to be running at high intensity level? Well, if you think about what your doctors tell you, cardiovascular health is when you're getting your heart rate up. It's more than walking. It's that running, it's that level where your heart rate's going faster. That breeds your cardiovascular health, but recognize that is different than moving briskly. And what do I mean by that? That means taking the step down. For those that walk briskly, that do different activities, there is actually processes in the brain, these peptides and things that are released that allow for cellular growth. So you can actually maintain brain growth as we age because of brisk movement. That's number one. Number two. This goes without saying, you've got to sleep. You've got to get good quality sleep. And if you have a hard time falling asleep, there are many different things that you should be addressing. You know, again, TVs, watching blue light issues, associated things before you go to bed. If anything, an hour before sleep, turn off your TV, put your phone away, darken your lights. Uh, If you have a problem staying asleep because of just light associated issues, get a face mask that you can wear at night. But sleep is important and your body needs that for restorative processing. The next is something that many people might look past, which is what I call the self-challenge. You need to do something different all the time. If you do the same routines, your body becomes used to them. You're not challenging your brain. Uh, If you are right-handed, brush your teeth with your left hand. Do different things that mix your brain up. It forces the ways that your brain develops and remembers things to go ahead and be firing in new capacities. That will challenge you greatly. Again, number four, eating. Again, if you have a healthy diet, a clean living process, and that may be defined as to what you tolerate and what you can eat uh, based on allergies, based on likes or whatnot, but recognize if you have a good balance in a nutritional diet, that goes a long way. And one that I think perhaps we've come to realize more heavily with COVID is that God created us to be relational beings. We are here to engage with others. Uh, I know that earlier on on your show, you talked about being being an ambassador. And I want to challenge people to be ambassadors of hope. I want you to reach out to people because people are hurting. Find relational issues. Even if you're an introvert, there's still the opportunity to have conversation. It doesn't have to be something that's challenging for you, although one of the things we recognize with this whole brain challenge is you need to do something that is difficult for you. Get out of your comfort zone, and that will enhance your brain on a uh, on a level that you probably wouldn't recognize, but that will keep you sharp at any age.
0: I love that. All right, so we have a listener who is asking a question about a COVID exposure. Uh, My coworker tested positive yesterday. I was around her for about five minutes in the room where she was, so also I suspect yesterday. I feel okay now. Um, Is there anything I should be doing for prevention?
2: Well, I think the best thing you can do at this point in time is do what you've done. Recognize the exposure. And again, the simple things you can do to bolster your immune system, good quality sleep, exercise, eating well, If you add in some zinc right now it is a good antiviral process and vitamin c just adds to your immune system yeah the usual things we know specifically related to COVID is some sunlight exposure and vitamin d are always good things and so if you have the opportunity to step out into some sunshine again these are the simple things that you can be doing aside from that no your immune system should be able to step in if there's any concerns and uh, you'll know within the next several days
0: All right, there you go. We love it. We appreciate um, so much you joining us and helping us, you know, not just have a view to what's happening in our own personal health, but, you know, the conversations that you equip us to have with others. Like, I'm I'm feeling like there's a conversation to be had with maybe somebody in the next generation about concerns that they're having about failing memory or, you know, it's harder and harder to remember things or put things in order. uh, And let's be checking in on them. Are they moving? Like moving, moving. Are they sleeping? Are they getting good sleep? How's their diet? Do they have access to the kind of real food um, that makes for uh, for a healthy diet? What's their relational engagement like? Like, is today the day to reach out to them specifically, and not just to check in and check up, but maybe ask them to go with you for a walk, um, those kinds of things, and then uh, you know maybe provide them the means of a self-challenge. Maybe invite them to do some kind of game with you, right? So some kind of brain challenge game or learn a new skill together. Hey, let's both watch this masterclass series or let's both listen to this podcast and then let's talk about it. Some kind of um, self-challenge, um, maybe learn, learn a new language, all kinds of things to keep our brains stimulated um, at every age and stage of life. Brett, as always, thank you so much.
2: Thanks, Carmen, and uh, I hope you're feeling better.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's Dr. Brett Nix. You can find him at his website, bretnixmd.com. We'll be right back. All right. Do you have a coffin door in your house? If so, I pretty much want to hear about that. Uh, apparently, a coffin door is an extra wide door that does not require you making any sort of turn to get a coffin in or out of a private residence. I also want to know if you have something called a coffin corner um, as you ascend the stairs in your house. Apparently, um, turnaround staircases in Victorian homes were often built with a very large landing because obviously you had to turn around that corner with a coffin. All right. I'm learning all kinds of things today. Um, maybe uh that is a good segue into or good transition into a conversation about our finitude. Uh, about the fact that we are in fact only human. I mean, yes, we live forever because we're redeemed in Christ, but we don't live forever as this, as this human person in this particular human body during this particular epoch of history. We're gonna talk with Kelly Capic next. He's the author of You're only human. We're going to talk about our finitude and why that's such a huge blessing. We'll be right back.
1: This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. First John four and verse nine. This is Max Locato. A divine spark indwells you. When you say yes to God, he blows on that holy ember. And it begins to flame. It grows day by day within you. Are you perfect? No. But you are being made perfect. And he has a wild and inexplicable love for you. You are God's idea, God's child. You were loved in heaven before you were known on earth. You aren't an accident. You are being made into God's image. You are a diamond, a rose, and a jewel purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. In the eyes of God, you are worth dying for. Would you let this truth find its way into your heart? This is Max Locato.
0: Kelly Capick is a professor at Covenant College. Lookout Mountain, Georgia. He is an award-winning author and editor of more than 15 books. He is joining us today to talk about the reality that we are only human. Um the book by that same title, You're Only Human, how your limits reflect God's design and why that's good news. Kelly, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Oh, it's good to be with you. Thanks so much for I, having me.
0: I am um I am feeling my finitude today.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so talk about it, that.
0: Like right? That's yeah, just the reality. Just we we come up on this topic that we're only human. Like everybody arrives at this recognition.
3: Yeah, it's funny because it's a fancy word, you know, finitude. It's a philosophical word and people often think death, but actually at its base it just means it does just mean limits. Like we're limited in time, space, knowledge, power. And I'm part of what's driving this book is I really think as Christians, we've confused our limits with sin or finitude hmm. with sin. And so we feel guilty all the time for some things we shouldn't feel guilty about. There's always more we we could be part of, whether it's at church or putting more hours in at work or spending more time with the children. There's no end. And until, until you work through this, we just live with this high level of guilt and shame. And so I'm really interested in trying to help us untangle some of that. And, I, and the last thing I'll just say, I think the way the world and even Christians handle this feeling is through time management. We just try and get more efficient. <laughs> and I'm, I'm arguing, I think we have a theological problem more than a time management problem. It's m- some misunderstandings about who God is, how he made us, how we're to relate to his earth, that kind of stuff.
0: I also think, Kelly, it's a conversation, if I'm just brutally honest with myself, mm. um, about making sure that my life counts for something when I'm dead. Mm. as As opposed to just resting in the reality that I'm going to get to sp- spend all eternity with God and whatever he has called me to do in this life is part of his redemptive plan. Um, and I don't see all of that from my limited vantage point. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that's part of it. It's It's also got to be part of the larger conversation the culture is having about, like, transhumanism. Like, surely we yes. know enough to get <clears throat> beyond our limits.
3: Well, that's that's the myth we all um, feel, (laughs) Uh, because there is always more. And it's not just it's not just we feel pressure to do more of things that aren't great for us. They can be really good things. There are always more materially poor people that we should help. Right. Mm -hmm. There are always there's always more time you should spend with your child. You can name it. Right. And so, uh, or, or invest more in your work and those kind of things. So one of the questions is, have we, have we, without even realized it bought into a, an idea that's actually not very Christian and it's all about me and all the way to the world on my shoulders. And we don't understand how we're part of this much larger thing that God is doing. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, it takes the whole body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that, but it's very hard for us. And so part of what happens is, without even realizing it, we view everyone as competitors. Like, we have to win. We have to be the strongest, the best. And it makes it very hard for us to delight in one another, to say, I can't do that, but let me celebrate the person who can. Let me raise, help raise up others. And and, anyways, it's a more communal rather than just individual vision. I think that's part of how God made us.
0: So it seems... Kelly, that there's an immediate application not only, you know, to me as an individual believer, and the uh, just the absolute uh, essential um, role that the church plays in this. Like, right, I, I am not designed by God to just be an individual lone believer out yep. here you know, fully, you know, fully everything, nor is the local congregation of which I'm a part designed to be the quote unquote, you know, like only expression of the church, yes, right? There's a, that's right. there's a global, the global
3: church. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think both of those things are lost on us as evangelical Christians in 21st century America.
3: Yeah. When the whole weight of the world rests upon us, that will crush any and all of us. And we know that because it, it crushed Christ. He He died on the cross the world. And only he, though, could absorb it and then rise from the dead, overcoming sin, death and the devil. Um, But anyway, so so I sometimes say it takes the whole church to be the one body of Christ. Right. We mm-hmm. we need all of us together. Um, Part of what was interesting in the research is one of the other things I would say is Christians misunderstand humility. We know mm-hmm. we're supposed to be humble, but we think mainly we should be humble because we're sinners. I think we're sinners. Um, I'm a theologian. I'm not denying that. But actually, the fundamental reason we should be humble is because we're creatures. We were, even before there was sin in the fall, we were made to be dependent upon God, to be dependent upon others, and dependent on the earth. That's the definition of humility a recognition of our dependence. That doesn't mean we're bad, it just means. God made us that way. And that's a good thing. It creates relationships. And the last thing I'll say on that is, given that culturally, the very word dependence, just including to me, it just strikes us as so bad and negative should indicate something that's gone sideways. I, I understand the problems with codependency and stuff, but we were made to be dependent on people. And the fact that that's so hard for us is difficult. And a simple way of saying it is, until we embrace it we simply can't understand love <laughs> you you have to enter into those relationships for love to happen
0: i i um i'm thinking right now about a friend who cannot i mean she literally cannot get out of the way in order mm. to allow god to love her she is so rigidly insistent on controlling everything to protect herself from being hurt. Like, right. This sure. comes out of an experience a long time ago. Um, mm. But because of that, I mean, she is that person you're describing right now. She is. Um, yeah, she, she cannot allow herself to be loved because you do have to humble yourself as creature before the creator and acknowledge that he is good. He is God, yeah. but he is good. Um, Kelly. Yeah, you, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, well, no. I just um, we have to take a very brief pause. Yep. Let me just ask you right now: um, Are you exhausted? Do you <laughs> exactly. experience a right? Do you experience a consistent background feeling of guilt about how little you accomplish every day? Do you go to bed and like the list isn't done, and you then you just feel shame and guilt about that, and you imagine that it's all your responsibility and you have to get it done, or God's kingdom can't advance and you're no good. Yeah, if you have had those thoughts, you're going to really appreciate the next portion of this conversation with Dr. Kelly Capick. The book is You're Only Human, How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. And yes, we have copies to give away. If you'd like to enter the drawing, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. We're talking with Dr. Kelly Capick about his brand new book, Your Only Human, how your limits reflect God's design and why that's good news. We're giving away copies. If you want to enter the drawing, just text the word book to 877 933 2484 Um, Kelly, we're all exhausted. We're just we're Christianity is exhausting us. Christian expectations, uh, the expectations of the generation in which we live, the culture. It just we're exhausted um, help us, help us see that that's just not what God's calling us to.
3: Yeah, that's a great, and that, that, you know, these things are personal. That's partly why I've been working through this and thinking about this topic for 20 years, literally. And part of it's because I can relate, you know, I put my head on the pillow at night and think, you know, how, how rarely do you think, yeah, I crushed that day. (laughs) Most of the time we just think of all the things we didn't do, people we didn't talk to. And, it indicates some misunderstandings uh our very relationship to rest and how we feel like or or sleep there's a section in the book talking about sleep and sleep is a spiritual discipline we don't tend to think of it that way but it there's a theological importance to it and uh, the way we talk about sleep it's like people including in the church you need that much sleep like it's a weakness right <laughs> but but part of what's going on there's a reason biblically sleep is an act of faith right when you're on when you're on the in, in a war you don't sleep because you're worried no one has your back and only if another soldier has your back can you sleep for a while well part of the biblical promise is that god never sleeps which means we can right or even this rhythm of one in 7 a day of rest to, to worship God, to take naps, to eat meals, to enjoy friends without, you know. So I think part of what's happened is we've baptized productivity and efficiency uncritically. I mean, I love productivity and efficiency, but they're not God's highest values. Love is, and we have made productivity and efficiency the highest values. And so it just makes life super difficult. So part part of what I'm trying to encourage us to do is to think through what does it mean to be human, to live in a humane mm -hmm. way within God's rhythms?
0: All right. Well, so let me just ask that question. What does it mean? Like, right? I mean, I think there's, yeah. there's so many there's so many threads that you and I could pull in this conversation. Yeah. Um, and again, if you're listening right now, the book is Your Only Human: How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. The author is Dr. Kelly Capick, um, and we're giving away copies. You can text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four to enter the drawing. Um, yeah. So let's yeah. just do that. Like, I okay. I want to be more human.
3: Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of practical examples throughout and the very last chapter is pretty much devoted to some of these practices. But just take a couple. Um, Think about one that every listener knows is prayer. We all Mm. feel guilty. We don't spend enough time in prayer, including pastors. But one of the reasons is because if we're honest, we feel like it's a waste of time. (laughs) You know, it is not a very efficient use of time. It doesn't feel like it's doing anything But learning to be with God, learning the value of silence, creating that kind of space and not feeling guilty, because the truth is saying yes to time and prayer means saying no to something else. And so that that has to be okay. Or another kind of example, I actually think delighting in others is a spiritual discipline. We really struggle because we feel like we're supposed to be strong and the best at all these kind of things. And the reality is all of us are dependent upon others. I, I really love the phrase, you probably heard it, flies around a lot, where we comfort people and say, you are not enough, or I'm sorry, that you are enough. But as a theologian, it's not as poetic, but I would say the comfort is you're not enough. And that's what makes you enough. You were never made to be everything. <laughs> uh, your, your dependence upon God and others in the earth, recognizing that, cultivating that, So you and I are uh, part of what I'm saying is learning to look for other people's gifts and strengths, to acknowledge those out loud and to encourage and help them build that up. That is a way of cultivating our own awareness of our limits and dependence on others. So prayer, encouragement of others. I talk about gratitude. Gratitude is a practice Uh, We all know we have a lot to be grateful for, but it's actually hard to be part of our life. It's interesting. There's a movement called positive psychology, and there's some concerns with it. But it's interesting. And Robert Emmons at UC Davis, who happens to be a Christian psychologist, he studied gratitude. And you can can have people do a gratitude journal where every day for 30 days, they write down five to 10 things that they're grateful for. It can be the crunch of the apple, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A beautiful sunny day, whatever it is. After a month, there are physiological changes in people, right? Blood pressure tends to go down. People sleep a bit more. It's, it's crazy. Now, as a theologian, some of that makes me nervous. But the other side of it is God made us to recognize our dependence on others and, and on him and goodness. So cultivating gratitude. Anyways, the list could go on. But there are very practical things we can do that help us realize we matter, but we're not everything. And we are self-absorbed without realizing it, and it hurts us.
0: So I'm thinking, Kelly, that in addition to you know writing down my five things every day, if I mm. am then acknowledging that those five things come from God, mm. whatever they are, they come from God. I mean, everything comes right. from Him. Everything's going to Him. So um, you know, if I put it in like a Psalm 103 context, right? I mean, if I put mm. it in, if I put it in that frame in that context, then I think that I. Um, I escape the temptation of it becoming just positive psychology of the twenty first century, and I get to um the root of what you 're talking about, which is to express genuine gratitude to a mm. real God for every good and perfect gift which comes from you know the father of lights above i mean I think yeah. that 's what 's going on there,
3: yeah, and even just how we think about so right now culturally every it 's all about identity, and the way in twenty first century america the fundamental way we understand who i am is by looking inside we tell people to look inside not even realizing how very modern that is compared to the history of the world and much of the globe to this day the way you understand who you are is by looking at family tribe vocation all of these kind of things but we say it's all by looking inside and there's strengths and weaknesses on each but even who you are starting to discover you don't have to make yourself everything. God is doing something. It's bigger than you. Um, but the existentialism that says, basically, you're a blank slate. You, I mean, it sounds really wonderful. Like you get to make who you are. And there's some truth to that. Our agency, our our decisions and actions really matter. But it's also a crushing weight, right? Uh, those of us who have dealt with chronic pain or other things, all of a sudden that myth falls apart. And you realize, Mm -hmm. oh, I never was in control. It's just now I see it clearly. But until you face hard things, we live in that myth.
0: I love the questions that you raise um, in each chapter. Have I done enough? Does God love me? Are the limits of my body Mm -hmm. bad? Why does physical touch matter? Is identity purely self-generated? And then um, part two of the book is the part on healthy dependence. Um, Have we misunderstood humility? do i have enough time so that's my uh that i have a star by that chapter right now <laughs> what does god just instantly uh, why doesn't god just instantly change me this process conversation is a huge mm. one for us as well do i need yeah. to be part of the church which gets back to you know i'm i'm not i'm god never intended that the church just be one one person mm. um out here as a lone ranger christian and how do we faithfully live within our finitude there mm. we see rhythm vulnerability gratitude and rest. Kelly Kapick is the author. Um, the book is Your are Only Human: How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Kelly, I have an assignment for the next book.
3: <laughs> Uh-oh.
0: Can it be can it be called I'm a Theologian and So Are You?
3: Oh, we've got one, actually. It's called The Little Book for New Theologians, and that's what it's about. Uh,
0: Excellent. The Little Book for New Theologians. I'm going to check it out. See? Perfect. Thank you. There you You go. All right. That's Kelly Capick. He is a professor at Covenant in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Um, We'll be right back. All right. Let's end where we began in Psalm 103. Where in the word are you today? Selected verses from Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all my sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Hey friends, uh, it's a long way from the east to the west. Not not the east and the west of your own town or the east and the west of the horizon you can see or the east and the west of, of our nation or even the far east to the far west as we think about them on the globe. No, no. As far as the east is from the west in the full expanse of all that God has made, so far has he removed our sins from us. If you if you live with nothing today but that awe, like jaw-dropping truth, man, that is some good news, is it not? Let's let's be people who go and live in that reality and share it with others today. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.